but the heat began. Here we are. Of course, it's like the fucking last heat wave of summer. Too. I know. It's it's uh, the craziest heat wave of the summer, which is why I'm so happy to have you out. Thank you for coming out. Here, <laughs> I appreciate Speaking you. Speaking of heat waves, I know, dude. I, the hottest guest in town. <laughs> Speaking of heat waves, the hottest guest in town just graced the gold couch studio Paralo couch. (laughs) Hello, Gordy. It's (laughs) truly a pleasure. (laughs) What's up? (laughs) No, for real. Thank you for coming. And thank you for the listeners and viewers don't know this, but this is like our second take at doing this episode. Yeah. Which, um, you know, isn't always ideal, but I'm happy about it right now. Well, I think, uh, one, I'm just so stoked that you're doing a pod. Yeah. And I remember when I started mine, it was like so scary. Not nah, scary is not the right word, but like there's a lot of factors and there's a lot of things you have to figure out. So I'm always so hyped to be the friend that's like, dude, come like run a dummy episode. I don't care. Have everything yeah. fail. Like I get it so yeah. much that like when you hit me up, like that was a great conversation, but I was like, we'll have it again. Like oh, we're home. Yeah. It's like, we'll always have a good conversation. Totally. And I so spiritually understand the feeling of technical errors and things. So like, let's just run it again. You're like, okay, like totally get it. Yeah. I appreciate that. Cause, uh, and actually my, the homie Hunter who was on here the other day, like there was like two different times where I was like, Hunter, I'm really sorry. I just need to make sure this camera's rolling. Yeah. I well, just have to, I'm so sorry. And he's like, no, no, it's all good, dude. It's all good. Like, no sweat. Like, I totally get it. I think that actually becomes fun. Like, uh, my podcast editor, Diana, is a mutual mm-hmm. friend, and you guys probably are probably our podcast, you know? Like, yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. Uh, not, hi, yeah, hi, yeah. Diana. Hi, Diana. But so now I've like, that's become like the running joke of the podcast is like, there will be times where it's like, wait, we should pause. And then I'll be like, wait, hold up, Diana. Or I'll say, like, yes, if we I reference a thing, I'll be like, Diana, maybe we cut into this here. <laughs> So like, yes, I kind of so like knows. adding to the story of it. So <laughs> yes. instead of like trying to hide the edits, it's like, uh, you were saying like your building might call you. Right. Like, fuck it. Hold up. Yeah. We'll just pause for the call. Yep. Totally. Like, or I'll take fun. it on air because it's like, and actually, and I'm going to use this to segue because you, you, you were asking what well, we were just talking about. Oh before. yeah. And we you paused asking, a really paused. good conversation. Yeah, we were like talking some tech shit, some yeah. nerd shit. Yeah. But you had just started to ask me like, is there any format here? Like what, you know, do you yeah, like, what do you want to cover on this cover? episode? You know, all that type of stuff. And when I had talked to my friend, Alex, who's like this, like marketing wizard, he like is a, like after high school went full blown marketing agency. I don't know too much about his like specific company, yeah. but he's super sharp, super smart, just like a really good dude. And also on the complete futuristic end of marketing, his whole thing is kind of trying to get back to the soul of listening to the artist over the numbers. Oh, right oh, now, wow. digital marketing is all about where are the numbers. It's really shit. Yeah. So it's like, Shifted. oh, 70% of your sales is coming from this. So you're going to have to cut out all this stuff because it's not contributing to your numbers. Or people said they want to see dogs. They don't want to see jet planes or whatever. You're catering to the algorithm. Exactly. That's all. That's so all there's no heart and soul to there's it. No and heart he's and like, soul. fuck this. Yeah, because it's like basically like you can buy customers now. Customer yeah. acquisition cost. Right. right? Yeah, you really could you probably metric it out where mm-hmm. you could say this amount of spend targeting with this and this media, like we'll, statistically we'll sell you'll get this. These amounts of uh, units of our thing, whatever yeah. it is, right? So he did that for too long. So well, like, he's in this. it currently and he's just like, I'm in this because this is my career and this is what I do. I can't really change certain elements of this, but I'm so 
fascinated with what you're doing. And so we have these like monthly conversations or bi-monthly where he's like, I'm just so excited for this because it really feels to me like this is the future. Like what you're doing is the future and I want to help you see it through. Really? And from the, at, from the perspective of like a, a really hardcore digital marketing guru that's basically whole life is sort of based around following the numbers, following the surveys, following the metrics, yeah. uh, answering to people's and people into clients um, that only respond to stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. saying, you know, he goes, I kind of like, I wish I had the platform like this to talk about what, what we're talking about here. Cause he's like, this is, I just think it's a future, you know, you're like a incredible artist. Like that's the selling point. It's not all these silly metrics. He's like, He's like, there's room for both of these. He's like, you'll never beat a computer in a lot of ways. Yeah. But he's like, the whole creative side of it can't be directly tied to this, right? Yeah, and you know so, what's really interesting yeah. with that? Mm -hmm. And I, like, I always talk to you about this and I love like, you are a fucking artist through and through. Like mm -hmm. I come in here <laughs> and it's like right there, you have a full on setup where you can make music and Hell then yeah. you have your photo studio and mm -hmm. then you're drawing and like you look at this space and it's like, you're such an artist. You have all this creative energy. You're talking about how you have to take a run in the middle of the day to channel it. Like, yeah. And I'm, I love it. I think of myself in this weird in-between where I definitely mm -hmm. have that artist view and like that desire for like pure creativity and making mm -hmm. shit. Yet I am like relatively analytical and understand like the business side of things. Right. But when I think about podcasts and it's so like validating to hear what he's saying because in all reality, there's a lot of stuff that I've done in my life and my career that's just intuition. Mm -hmm. That's just like, and I think you and I would probably agree and bond on that. 100%. And like on paper, it doesn't make sense to have a podcast right now. Like right. fucking everyone has a podcast. Yeah. Like, are we really that unique in these yeah. conversations? The podcast, whatever, but the podcast, the gun ratio is very close. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck, dude. <laughs> just, just saying. Facts. <laughs> the head count is scary very high yeah yeah but yeah like it's it's if you were from a numbers statistics uh roi mm -hmm. uh standpoint to say should i do a podcast or are these numbers worth it like no right but i find it like super meaningful and intuition just tells me that i needed to start it mm -hmm. and that i have to keep going even when i want numbers to be higher or whatever right. so hearing somebody like that say like no this is sick and just do it authentically yeah just go is really validating totally and like Part of his um, Amazon, I think. <laughs> here we are. Part of, uh, here it. we are, right? Part of what I was going to use to bring it back all back around was last time you were in here. Yeah. We were talking about, I don't remember. I believe it was on, it was on camera. We were talking about, you're like, well, how do you say this studio name? What do you call this again? And I was like, oh, you can say it however you want. I made up the word. And you're like, I don't like that. Like, I want to, I want it to have a, a pronunciation. And I started thinking about that and I was like, fuck, you know what? You're right. And like, what? Why, why am I so like Lucy Noodle about this? Like it can have a pronunciation and I can tell people, yes, it's Studio Peralo. I was going to say Peralo. Okay, Straight good, up, good. you know what I mean? And not fuck around with it. So I talked to Alex about this yeah. and he's like, cause I was like, man, some days I don't even like the name of this place. Like some days I would just rename it. Like it's almost a placeholder for me. Like I'm not yeah. sure. Like I, it's more about the dream. It's less about the name. It's never, I was like, I'm almost convinced that if I were to be given infinite time, I would, st or infinite words or whatever it is that I would, there was no word in the English language that I'll land on that I'll be truly happy with. Wow. And he was like, okay. He's like, talk about that. He's like, why can't things be like 
reflex, like, like flexible. Like, yeah. why can't we like, like society right now and, and everything, um, is pushing towards this idea of like, everything has to be dialed. It has to be perfect. Yeah. You have to have your marketing shit figured out your SEO, your web address, like your, your go plan, like yeah. everything has to be sorted out. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it's like, this is one of those rare instances for me where I'm like, where he's like, rather he's like, you, why don't you just talk about this with your guests? He's like, ask them, what do you think this is? Yeah. Cause we were even talking about like, what do I do here? Right. I don't even know what the fuck to call it. This creative agency. Don't yeah. know. Yeah. Maybe I'm not really an agency though. Creative studio closer still sounds a little loosey goosey. Yeah. You know? So like, I was like, what about experimental studio? And he's like, that's like more like you're getting there. Yeah. Like yeah. you can go with that, but he's like, you should be able to, t to workshop this. Yeah. And like, what if the podcast was a place to just workshop stuff like that and to be like open to it being in flux and being in, in a state of flux and a state of change. Yeah. You know? Like, well, it's interesting. Shit, like, yeah. Before we started recording, like I look around and I'm sure with the camera angles, you can see a decent amount of it on yeah. camera. But like I showed you, I was like, you ever do the iPhone test yeah. where you just set your iPhone video camera on wide mm -hmm. and you just look around mm -hmm. and you see it. And I'm like, what you have created here is beautiful. And it would be hard for me to define. But what I see like objectively mm -hmm. is just a place where a creative can fucking create anything. Right. It's like the ultimate playground for making shit. Yes. Which like, I don't know if you have to name it past that. Right. But I respect that so much. And I think like sometimes I'll have these moments where I'll look at my MacBook and I'll be like this fucking thing. Like this is what <laughs> has funded my home, the roof yeah. above my head. Yeah. Like I've been able to like make a valuable product or service mm -hmm. or communicate with others and solve problems on this little fucking computer. And yeah. like, I look around here and it's maybe crippling at times, but I don't know what you couldn't make here. Totally. Like, it's that's, like a, that's it's so like a cool. true fertile ground for anything. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and that that's like, okay. And that it's sort of okay for things to be open format. It's yeah. okay for things not to just be like so dialed, you know? So yeah. like the last guess I did, cause we're retroactive, this will be the first episode, but I recorded episode two before this yeah. was like, I had a few things I wanted to talk to him about just cause like, you know, I was just trying to catch up with his current events and stuff like that. Yeah. And I could have done that with you too. And I think there's some value there, Yeah. but I joked about like saying Joe Rogan, saying out of podcast being like saying Candyman or something. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's like He comes out ball. and just fucking like hits you with some super hot take. We say his name three times. He's on the couch. He's like, elf like, brain. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever tried hiking upside down on fucking LSD? You're like, oh no, Joe Rogan, please. Please, we were just trying to catch up as homies. Oh my God, I'm so I'm sorry, Joe Rogan. <laughs> but when I was around looking at other podcasts, how are people doing it? You yeah. know, how are, what, what do I want this to be? You know, and, and kind of reflecting on that idea of it being open format. I was like, I really respect, I love the way that he does it because you just sort of like tip in mid convo essentially whenever they start. There's a tiny thing, but he's never like giving this like long winded intro. He's just kind of like, let's just talk. You yeah. Know? Like, you obviously have a lot of great things to say here. Let's get into it. And like, it unfolds as you listen. And obviously, there's like descriptions and other ways you can find out about the person. But I liked that. And I kind of liked the informality and like the idea of like being able to have people come in here and just sit down and talk. Like, yeah. You know, and almost like even when Hunter was on, I was like, oh, like this is like a therapy couch. Like, look at these yeah. fucking like, like pillows. This is like the yeah, entrepreneurial like creative therapy couch. Like this is where we go to talk about all the stuff that, you know, doesn't get any airtime when we're 
Yeah. You know, talking well, about other stuff. It is nice too to just like have a minute. Like I feel like every time I finish recording a podcast, mm-hmm. it's just like this moment of an hour without looking at your phone and just being present yeah. and just chopping it up. And it like whatever it is you do talk about, it doesn't, mm-hmm. it almost doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just like a real conversation. We kind of lose the time. Like we forget about how good that is. Totally. So I feel you on that. Yeah. And that was kind of like what came out of our first one is like the first 30 minutes which I actually, I kind of want to like circle back sure. because you covered a lot of stuff that I think like a part of the coolness of this episode is that like, it's like a dual episode. Yeah, I'm and, excited. Yeah, like, like So I guess that. if anybody's listening on where all my friends, mm-hmm. our plan is to help launch this, we'll just dual air it. So this will yes. be an episode on where all my friends and everyone's been asking for an Andrew episode. And like, and like what better place to do here it? Here we fucking are, Yeah, you know? You know, halfway through you were like, I like it when we're having a conversation. I don't love it when it's just like, so where did you grow up? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. How, how did that affect you? Right, when you're looking <laughs> to hit the structure too much and you're not right. open to a real conversation, you right. can miss some really beautiful moments. And let the conversation just like spread out like a river and, yeah. and do what it, it wants to do. I will say I learned, uh, I'm constantly reading, I'm always studying mm-hmm. and I'm always, cause like both, you know, like you're talking about like how you fixed that Canon camera to record <laughs> off of a Ninja and how you can run that camera. And like, yeah. there is an element of us trying to master our technical craft. Mm-hmm. And I love that, like that constant pursuit of perfection. Yeah. And for me, I like to study like journalists and 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 uh, really great podcasters. Mm. So there was a book that I read called uh, Make Noise. And it was basically a dude, I won't remember the name, but somebody who had helped early in NPR and talking about like the journalism and all of that oh, wow. and how they like tricks they used. And something that really stuck with me was it doesn't matter like if you're having like a specific guided interview or just a conversation, but helping add like texture to a conversation, like audio is actually such a beautiful format and it kind of lets your imagination go. And like, yeah, there's a video component yeah. where like you can see us talking, but like as the interviewer, when you're talking to your guest, finding those moments and, and asking like really basic questions of if they say something and it's really meaningful to them, mm-hmm. but you maybe don't understand it. You say like, oh, why, why was that so huge for you? And then you get the answer that you want. Right. Or like uh, the best example of this that I did was I had Aaron Gillespie from Under Oath on the podcast. Oh, wow. And he was telling me about recording drums in this studio. And it was like very, like I could tell he loved it, but I wasn't there. And I was interested. I was so fascinated, right. but I was like, I want to know more. So I kind of, as the proxy, as the listener, that's like, well, wait, I want to tell me. I would just ask questions like, wait, like, so like, what was it like to open the door? What was it like, you walk up these stairs, it's warm, it's humid, it's about this big, where's everyone else sitting? And like, as people explain those details, you get lost in these stories and these conversations. And I obsess over finding those in the podcast now. So it's like, it's not so much like, tell me where you're from. Oh, cool. Like Mm -hmm. I was born in Florida, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, cool. Great. But like, what do you remember about Florida? Like those warm summer right. nights where you can feel the humidity in a good way and you hear the crickets and like yeah. the the texture to it. I'm yes. obsessed with. I love that because it yeah. takes away all of this like, and actually just side note, think that this is so informative. Like, you know, people are asking for an Andrew episode. Like, I feel like you're one of your greatest passions aside from making the illest cars ever is podcasting. I love it. And like this type of stuff for anybody else who's interested in yeah. podcasting is like super helpful. I mean, obviously for me, like I'm a fucking rookie. 
Right. And it's like, You're I find myself as a rookie. Yeah. Well, thank you. But I find myself like in those, those cases of like, okay, so this happened. Tell me more about that. It's like, yeah. that's a dry question. It's like, what right. do you, what, what do you like? The best questions aren't the ones that were written down. It's like the ones that you just like, like you said, it's like in your mind, you're like, oh, I'd really like to know more about that. Like, yeah, I want, I, yeah. So, so ask him more about that. Right. Like you stop <laughs> treating it like some formal interview. Right. Like those are so boring. And then like the reason why this is special, the reason it's so comfortable, mm -hmm. the reason that I think you are going to have such a great show is you're just a good hang. Like yeah, conversation yeah. with you is fun. So I think like, I think that's a weird thing you have to kind of break out of right. when you're a podcast host or mm -hmm. when you're doing a podcast is you feel a weird obligation or like you feel like the right thing to do is to be the host. Right. And then like and to only be listen formal and, and, yeah, and be like, mm, well, mm. okay, yes. Yeah. But the more you are a human and the more mm -hmm. you just have a real conversation, people can feel that. So, and that's why I'm so excited for you and why I'm like, you need to do this. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's really rad, man. Like I was, uh, talking to a few people about it and they were like, oh yeah, I always thought you were going to do that. Like it was almost like everyone was like, I was waiting for that to happen. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, damn, yeah, that's cool. And and honestly, like, I think you probably can speak to this better than I can, but it's like when I write or when I make art, there's this, I don't have the word for it yet. I've been looking for it for years, but I'll call it recursive where process cathartic. Yeah. It's a, it's a bounce back. Yes. So write something read it. There's something about that, putting it, taking it out of here, putting it here and then looking at it. Something completely different yes. than the experience of writing it. Yes. Or even reading it like in a three weeks or yeah, something. There's something yeah. about doing it and then immediately like taking it back in. Yeah. That really tells you so much about yourself. Whoa. You know what I mean? You can only get so close to what's really in here. Mm -hmm. And like, to me, that's a very, very like specific mainline in. Yeah. You know, and so something like this, I was really hoping would sort of start to open my eyes about maybe things about myself that I didn't. You're going to hear how many times you use filler words and you'll hate that. I know. I've already, I've already <laughs> actually uh, noticed it and I've already been like, like quieting. The, it's something the word. that like I accepted I noticed it and then I was just like fuck it I mean I say like I'll a mute, lot yeah, run I'll it. meet the mic if I have to <laughs> yeah or something but yeah no it is uh it is definitely like that too efficiency of language fucking <laughs> for real I want to know speaking of format I want to go back Let's because you took me back last time yeah no one got to actually hear the true Andrew story now we have a little we have one take under our belt Let's do it. So we actually like know, you know, like what's, you know, what's to come and, and, and I won't treat it like a shitty interview. Well, I think uh, <laughs> that's such a funny one too, is like, I, it's kind of weird. It's, it's really good for guests, I think, to learn how to tell their story. Cause I kind of was like, damn, am I like, it's like, right. If you don't think about it, it's kind of hard to tell your story with every chapter in it all the time. So I'm not upset about the redo either. Cause totally. I'm like, damn, I, Cause there's stuff that maybe so you forgot, much. but then there's other stuff that you're like, I could have omitted that or like yeah. not gone in deep or whatever it is. Exactly. Yeah. And I think every interview will be a little different. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, you'll probably be on more podcasts now as you do it. And right. like, I think that every interview is its own dynamic way of our friendship is going to mm -hmm. yield a specific part of my story because right. that's like what we'll naturally talk about. Totally. Um, so I think that that's something of, uh, you don't have to cover all of it, right? Right, yeah. exactly. And it's kind of like when you started talking about podcasting and like just things that you've been learning, like I started thinking like, 
how, how has your life to, up to this point informed the way that you're going about podcasting? Oh, like how yeah. has it informed the way that you were just describing how to find great conversation? I know that you've done work with bands in the past because we've had our paths yeah. cross yeah. via, you know, uh, pop punk, punk rock shit, right? But it's like, I would imagine the amount of interpersonal work that you did with all these artists over your life has yeah. really informed. Well, that's actually maybe a great place to start is yeah. I've always been obsessed with people. Yeah. That's like the through line is I'm so fascinated by interesting people. You know, granted right. you'll meet some people and you're like, oh, cool, great to meet you, whatever. And there's not really that much compelling, but you're actually a great example is I'll meet certain people where I'm like, there's just something different about this person. I've always felt that with artists. And right. I think that that's been a thing from a, for a very young age. Is I, I've met these really compelling people and I've been fascinated. I've wanted to learn more. And the, the podcast is just such like a natural way to do that. Right. But going back, so I was born in Florida. I love Florida. I grew up there. What city? Uh, born in Miami, but moved to like Tampa, Clearwater, St. Pete area. Um, love that area. Pretty, pretty early. Like I've heard that Miami. Oh, okay. So I was like, my friend's from Miami and she was like, oh yeah, Miami's like just a totally different place. It's like almost not yeah. Florida. It's wild. And like, going well, back now as yeah. an adult, I'm like, I can't believe I was born here. Like, I don't remember <laughs> yeah, it, sure, but like sure. it is very different. Yeah. But yeah, I grew up there and- I was like relatively um, like sheltered, but not in a bad way. Like I was just like pretty regular. Mm -hmm. um, the first, like where I started to like find my things was probably the first thing was skateboarding. Like I didn't care about like organized sports and I went to a pretty small school, but like when I found skateboarding, I was like, oh, this is it. Yes. And then like getting the CCS catalogs and seeing all the boards Dude, and being obsessed yeah. with the graphics and then finding like 411 VM videos and then finding music that I had never heard of. and Through the videos. Oh my God. Yeah. Skateboarding was a huge, very important piece of my life. Oh yeah. And I'd always loved cars too. Mm -hmm. So those were the things like as a young kid, that's like what I spent my time and attention on outside of like mm -hmm. the basic stuff that every kid does growing up in school. But like the things that I loved was that. I think I got like my first real skateboard when I was like 13 and I think we all probably dream of going pro and all that, but oh, yeah. I, I just didn't. Like, I was okay, Dude, but that's I didn't. how I was too. I feel like we talked about this where I was like, to clear the air, I was never gnarly. Yeah. yeah. I was okay. Yes. I was good enough to skate with my friends. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but there was always the kid that like did the tray flip better or that had yes. like more stairs on the gaps yes. and all that. And you're just like, ah. They're but, like, oh, I'll probably, I'll try to probably kick flip this. I'm like, I want to ollie it. If yeah. I like ollie ollieing it, this would be, I would like be the accomplishment I'll, of I'll a quit year. skating. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like that was like my early interest and then cars, I was really into cars from an early age, like the tuner cars, like Honda scene and all that. Yes. Like I was that kid. Yes. So that was like my life. The interesting variable though, was I dropped out of high school to get my GED. I was going to like a private high school and I could tell that it was weird because I always had a roof over my head. I would like, I didn't grow up poor, but my parents just never like gave me anything. Yeah. It was like, just like middle-class type, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I, I could tell that they wanted the best for me. So they paid for this private school and I just didn't feel like there was value in it. Even at that young age, I was like, you shouldn't be paying for this. Yeah, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, 16. It's not like I was doing bad in school. I was like, fine. So I convinced them to let me get my GED, dropped out. And then I got a job because I wanted to work so I could buy a car because they weren't going to like let me get right, a car. Right, right. So I finished school early, get the car, like get the job, do that. And then kind of was just like figuring things out. Didn't really know what I was going to do. Figured I'd go to college and ended up 
again, like paying for my own college because I didn't have like the school that I went, whatever, dumb shit. And I do that. And like pretty quickly, like again, pretty self-aware. I'm like in my first semester and I'm like, I I was studying photography, web design and like general gen ed. Yeah. Figured I'd like start a web design business or something. Mm -hmm. And pretty early in, I was like, I could Google this. Like this (laughs) is like, I don't think I need to pay for this. And it hears different. By the way. 2008. Yeah. 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 So this is like literally like heyday of YouTube. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And like we were learning like Dreamweaver and oh, like yeah. specific <laughs> things, but like the books that we would study would be like antiquated already. Like they were the old ones. 100%. Like pretty quickly in, I was like, I can Google this. And I was paying for it. Like I was paying for my semesters. So like the value of a dollar was very real. Yeah. You're and like, I was I like, I 200 for this course. Yeah. I was like, I, YouTube is free. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then the thing that the crazy thing that happened was my friends started a band and I wasn't that into music. It was mm-hmm. more skateboarding and cars. I always liked music. Like I found Blink-182 and finding music through like 411VM and all that. Like I loved music. What was your first Blink record that you got into? It was Enema. Yeah. 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 And then I went back to Dude Ranch. Yeah, Yeah. Dude Ranch. But Enema into Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, like that era of like those CDs coming out in real time. Those two in real time was... Well, actually, uh, Enema wasn't real time for me. Take Off Your Pants and Jacket was, and then Self-Titled. Those Mm -hmm. were the two were like real time. I was Mm -hmm. like, I can't believe I get to get this. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So I was like finding music. I loved music like that. But then um, my friends started a band and and I had a job. The job that I got that got me my car was in dental sales consulting. Oh. And it was like my friend's parents company. And they uh, like pretty quickly like put me on the phones as like a cold caller. And I think I was so young that I didn't realize how fucking insane that was. Yeah. Like you were like, okay, you want me to do what? Like, yeah. Sure. Dude, I was calling dentist's office, cold calling dentist's office. Like they had responded like a promotional offer. We had this like $1,500 seminar that would help them get new patients Mm -hmm. like with marketing. And it was actually like a great service and a great company. So I didn't feel bad like trying to sell it. Right. But I also didn't under, like there was no fear of that. Right. So I got really good at talking to people really fast and selling people on this thing. I was like 17 years old doing this. As a telemarketer. Yes. Wow. And it was like, I was great at it. Like I broke records there because I had no, like, I didn't, you know, that like there yeah. wasn't the fear of failure and I didn't have anything no, to compare and there it was to. Nothing, there was nothing that was like, oh, I've seen other people do this and it's whack or like, or like, uh, I know the stigma rather yes. of what a telemarketer is in society. Exactly. Like you didn't even know what that was. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And they were so great and it was such a great company. And I, I, this dude, like, you know how you have like really important people mm-hmm. in your life? Mm-hmm. Like the the main dude that I was under that taught me everything I knew of just like communicating with people sadly passed away. But like this wow. dude, Greg Winteregg was the fucking guy. And uh, he like really like empowered me. And like he was always like the dude that was like, of course you can do that. Like he really put that there. Right. I learned that early and I made a decent amount of money, but I wasn't that happy. I could tell I didn't like corporate life. Mm-hmm. So then my friends start this band. I had kind of known music because of that, but I wasn't like playing in music. I can't play music. Like it was right. Like you didn't cars. grow up playing music. You're just enjoying it. Exactly. Yeah. And then like photography, like I knew creative stuff because mm-hmm. I'd want to take photos or like videos of skating or cars. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, they go out, they start this band and it's called Set It Off. And they do this weekend run of shows. And they're like, hey, you're good at talking to people. You want to come out and sell merch? And I was like, sure. And that was the first time in my life that I think I like found my people and my place. Yeah. Like I was a little bit sheltered in the fact of like small town vibes and small schools. So I like my social skills of high school and all that wasn't really there. And when I met them, it was like, I finally felt like I was myself yeah. and I like had this meaning like you, we talked about yeah, that. Yeah, where it's right? like sort of like this moment of, um, I was just going to ask like, if it like, it like something clicked yeah. and you were just like, it was like a sh- almost a shock. You're like, oh my God, yeah, this is it. Yeah. These are my people. It, it, exactly it. that dude, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it was just like everything clicked and I was like, this is it. Yeah. And I like I felt like it was okay to be myself. I felt like it was so fun to go out with these dudes that were so creative and had such a vision. And I being obsessed with like interesting people, like I couldn't make music, but I thought that they were so talented. And it was so cool that my business skills and my like being able to, you know, I could sell dental consulting, I can sell shirts. Like right. they saw so much value in me and they're like, dude, you're so good at this. So it felt so cool to be a part of it right? and like be able to help where I thought they were superheroes. They could make music out of nothing. Yeah, right. And I think that's like, that's the early reason for all of this. That's why I love all my creative friends. That's why I love being a part of any creative industry yes. is like, I've had that understanding of communication and sales and logistics, but I've also understood that like not doing that on a corporate level, like it's so boring, but finding right. that place in creative and like that's been the theme ever since. That's then. so sick. This like sparked something that was greater than music. It was yeah. greater than music management, yep. which I won't finish your story for you, but you ended up going into yeah. whatever. Like it all sort of like comes back to this idea that like you're like fascinated with creative people and yes. you're like loved being around them and loved being around just that. cool people. And I've always felt like, you know, that's, I think that's why we have the friendship that we do is like when I meet those creative people that truly can like make these magical things mm-hmm. and have this beautiful vision, it's so cool to be able to help with that and to continue to inspire it. Cause like creatives have a hard life. Like, mm-hmm the amount of people that will try to bring creatives down that are threatened by people trying to do something new, like you see it. And I always, I had that balance where I liked creating myself, but I understood enough of like the corporate and the logistics where I was like, I became the bands. I went from selling merch to tour managing to -to day-to-day managing and kind of doing a lot of business management. Mm -hmm. And I really understood how much a creative has to go through just to make the shit they want to make. And I really found a place, like I found my place being able to be in that balance. And like, and like kind of what you were saying at at one point when I was talking to you is just like this idea of like assisting those that you see like this, like fantastic quality and this like star quality of like, you know, like you've got all these things, but like, let me help you further. Like, let me yeah. help you with the stuff that like might be hard. Yeah. You know, let yeah. me help, like you were saying, like creatives have like a hard life, which I would agree with that. Not to like be well as me or anything, but like, even we were musing about this space, like this week, all I've done is admin yeah. and operations it's and stuff so that's annoying. not art and no. stuff that's not having fun, you know? And you see the nine to five traditional path. Like you lived mm-hmm. a little bit of oh, that. Yeah. It's the easier path. So By far. anyone that chooses to go not do that path, like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a great reward if you nail it, but the amount of years and the amount of time where it's not great and it sucks, like, my God. So yeah. I feel like artists and creatives are like the most fucking cherished, precious thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you fucking leave them alone. 
And I think that like comes back again. You need to more my, people like, like you. Andy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like, that's that thing. That was my purpose. That was my spark is like, yeah, yeah I have my creative elements, but helping exceptional people do shit that they otherwise wouldn't be able to do right. was always something where like, I, I've always felt like artists are so cool and I, I felt so yeah. welcomed by that. It's just always been this great relationship. So that's like that's really beautiful. been a common theme in, yeah. in all of the career since then. Right. So um, you met Set It Off and this, yeah. this sort of like fireworks show happened in your mind where you're like, yeah. this is it. Yeah. I finally found my people. Yeah. So tell me what happens. What happens now? Here's where hopefully I can do the story and I don't want to skip details, but I don't want to get like hyper granular on no, everything. No, there's a lot of but, people who want to know this. Remember. Yeah, fair. Yes. Fill them well, in. So basically that's like around 2008, I'm 18 at a very young age. Mm -hmm. I drop out of college yeah. and I go all in on touring with them. And like, again, shout out to my parents. I wasn't the kid that got material things. I always had a roof, that's it. But they always had the attitude of there's nothing in the world you can't do. They were always so supportive. So it wasn't like this, like beg them to drop out of college and go tour. I was like, hey, I think I want to do this. And they're like, yeah, you'd be great at that. Go do it. So like that, cool. I think is like, shout out to parents that fucking support kids. Oh my God. Without like any, you know, like my parents were like, I guess similar in a way where they were like, really like wanting me to go to college and do all the stuff that everyone else did. Cause it was the sure thing. Yeah. You know, but when I decided I'm not doing that and I'm going to do it this, this other way, yeah. they let me know it's going to be really hard, but they were like, we got your back. Dude. We got you. If I didn't have that, that's, it's so much more valuable than any money. Like, anything, anything oh they could have possibly done. Oh my God. You know? So yeah, I got the blessings. I go out on tour and I mean, we were independent as hell. I think we bonded a lot in your episode and mm -hmm. talked a lot about that of like, no one believed in it. Mm -hmm. Like we, we, it's not like we got signed super early. Like it was so grassroots, so DIY, yeah. but it was also this beautiful era of the internet where YouTube and like stick cam and like things like that. You brought that up, stick cam, that's crazy. Bro, <laughs> but like I, Cody, the, the singer, like was this brilliant artist and songwriter and his early success was YouTube covers. And those covers, like, I think he did an all time low cover that got noticed by the band and then they brought him out on stage. I, th I think I know this. Yes. Um, <laughs> and that was like the catalyst of then him going on stage and being, I'm gonna do this. but. From a very early age, we understood the power of the internet and YouTube. And we're kind of like at that time, obviously it was a thing, but you weren't making money. There wasn't like AdSense and revenue off no. of being big on the internet. It was so just a lot marketing. Of yes. And a lot of people were like, didn't get the value of it, mm -hmm. but we did. So we just leaned into it so heavy. And even though we were independent, anywhere we would tour on these DIY shows, we would have a crowd because of people that had found us on YouTube. Yeah. And it was so special. So that was a really big part of my life. Went from merch to then tour management. It was just this natural progression of right. none of us knew and we were all growing together. And it was like, oh, well, I guess we need a tour manager now. And you're like, I'm that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, well, all right. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. From 2008 to 2014, mm -hmm. I toured with them and it was a really, wow, really magical time. Yeah. Like, I don't remember that. That's interesting. That's, that was my college of life. That's incredible. Like, my God. Like touring the- what a blessing. Yeah. Oh my God. I like, I look back at that as some of the fondest memories. Like I grew so much as a person. I like, I was so awkward before that. And I think that I like really sure. found myself and 
they were just such a great group. Like we were all together. Mm -hmm. There was no stopping us. Like we gassed each other up so oh, much. And that. it was like- The inside jokes and the yes, ongoing, dude. just everything's just ongoing. Oh my all the God. Time. And you it is know? that gassing up too. Like I miss having people just to talk with and gas each other up about yes. stuff. Like that is something that I didn't even know I was missing. Yeah. Or, or you know, you get that sort of in little bits at like jobs, yeah. you know, where yeah. you have like cool comrades, but on, in a band. Yeah. Like in a music group, dude, it's, it's a different it's, level. It's just a whole different level. And yeah, I, I think like you can kind of get stuck in it. You would come back to real life after touring and, and like, like, I don't know. All the contrast is down. Yeah. yeah. And you kind of just really feel on top of the world. Like it's this, this life in a bubble and oh, it's, yeah. it's like, but it's really magical. So that it was is. like, I was obsessed with that and I grew so much and I, I got to travel. Like we ended up getting signed and went from touring in vans across like mm -hmm. DIY US tours mm -hmm. to then, you know, like flying across the country and, you know, got to go to all of Europe and Japan and the first bus that we go in. And like, you know, so it's sick. not like they became like the world's biggest band, but had yeah. enough success where I was like, oh, this is sick. Yes. And that was like- It was sustaining. It was yeah. self-sustaining. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, that was such an important time in my life. And I, I'm so thankful for that. But I think- at the end of that, when that ended, I realized that that was my favorite thing. I ultimately, like it wasn't my band and my creative vision. Mm -hmm. And I had ideas of like how I would do it. And I was like, why am I like, it, it's not my say there. Like it should be Cody, it should be right, the band. Right. And I kind of was just kind of like getting a little jaded from touring. And I was like, this isn't right. Like this is the coolest job in the world. Yeah, Somebody should be out there that loves it. It really loves this. Yeah. And I yeah. realized again, I was like, I just like helping creatives grow. And I was like, I can do that elsewhere. It doesn't have to be yeah. this. Around 2014, I realized that. And yeah, that was like a weird... Um, that was a weird time because that was my identity and that's what I thought I was going to be forever. And going away from that and like I, I had a real like weird identity crisis of what do I do now and like finding myself all over like a again. reconstruction. Yeah. Yeah. The loss of identity through something that you're like very, very um, integrated with, like it's like a part of you. It's like weaved into the very fabric of your being, you know, yes. it's like that same thing definitely has kind of happened to me on and off in my life. Obviously, like I've, I was in music and then I wasn't and then I was back yeah. in it and then I'm now uh, whatever. I still have this feeling of just like, it's like a long lost lover. Dude. That you're like, right? oh man, like I know that this feeling is only seeing the rosy parts. I know that. I know that it's not thinking about the Chef Boyardee outside the <laughs> uh, side of the 76, you know? Yes. I know it's not thinking about that or, yes. or considering the sleepless fan trips and the breaking down in the middle of the desert and the sawing off your own catalytic converter shit like or what was it the muffler yeah um <laughs> we had like a muffler that was dragging on the ground and you just cut it and off. we like stole a saw from an auto shop we distracted the guys and somebody went in and stole a saw put it down their pants and went to the van and we drove halfway <laughs> for some down. reason that story is all you need to say about tour like, that's, that's actually right just all of that's tour it. right there that is exactly yeah. it like honestly you know obviously even that like in the disparity and like this or the the despair rather of that situation and knowing we're literally in the middle of nowhere yeah there's this little tiny auto shop where the house that the person's working at the auto shop is like right next to the auto shop i mean we're talking like a town of 50 people or something yeah. it's like that is not very fun and right. in my adult self i start getting anxiety thinking about being right. stranded in the middle of the desert yes with a car that might not work i sometimes fear it 
where mm. I look back at it and I don't want to be the guy that used to be cool in I high school. Know. And I wasn't cool in high school. <laughs> it was afterwards, but like, but the I don't want to have yeah. my glory days that that's th the thing already, right? Yeah, and, that's and they the thing were that so good forever. Yes, you know? and it's a really weird thing. Like, I mean, we have a lot of friends that are out still touring and right. killing it, and some people go full in. Mm -hmm. But I think maybe you and I relate, where it's like we stayed in a creative lane, we stayed bordering mm -hmm. music, we're mm -hmm. still around it. But we went and found our own lives and and kind of had to like figure out this next chapter. Right. And that was fucking hard for me, dude. Like I, I was imagine. straight up like <laughs> it was really weird because I left touring and I didn't like talk to anyone else and I didn't try to like go behind the backs of anyone. I just like it was kind of this weird moment where yeah. one day we had this conversation and it got to that point where I was like, yeah, guys, like, I think this has to be it. Yeah. And it was nothing but love. They're still the fucking homies. And, mm -hmm. but it was just like, all right. Yeah. Like after this tour, it's enough of a gap. You can find a new TM. We can mm -hmm. kind of convert a lot of the business stuff I was doing. We'll be good. Shortly after that, I got a couple job offers. People had heard that I had left and it was a job offer from a management company, a record label and a merch company. And I, I went with the label. It was the label the band was signed to Equal Vision and I, I went there because I, I liked the people there the most. And yeah. I kind of just figured I'd go where good people were. And it's hard for me to talk about this chapter. Like, I, I don't want it to sound like I'm talking shit, but I went into it with this like very wide eyed of like, I'm going to come in and change yeah. the scope. And like, it's going to be so cool. Mind you, you're still, you're 24 right now. Yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. like still an age that you're like, doing shit like that yeah, or thinking exactly, like that rather. exactly yeah i mean shout out like dan and francesca there and then johnny came later like there were some people there that are like ride or dies yeah but it felt like trying to teach an old dog new tricks i was the young kid that was like all in on the internet because yeah. that's what worked for us mm -hmm. i was so excited about spotify i think 2014 oh 2015 and, and it was the the bane of every label's existence for the at least the exactly first years. yeah and they were like yeah like we have a person that does that and i'm like yeah but like what if we like did this yeah and i think it just wasn't the right fit i think that i was trying to fit into a role that wasn't quite it well, that was but, what i was gonna say is it just sounds like it wasn't a good fit yeah and yeah. like that's one of those like phrases that i found that if you say that it's no one's fault yeah just wasn't a good fit but what's interesting yeah. and what it did do was it got me to california because oh, i was, was like sort of your foot in the door exactly because the label was opening an office in pasadena and i was so broke i like couldn't I ended up moving to San Diego because rent was cheaper and I would drive up every other week and what? stay on Fish's couch for a week. <laughs> what? Yeah, bro. That's, That's crazy. I was making so little and I like <laughs> believed in it so much that I, I had this super cheap rent in San Diego and every other week I'd what? drive up for a week, work at the label in Pasadena, sleep on Fish's couch and then I'd drive home and stay in San Diego for a week. Uh, shout out Mike Fishian. I'm telling you, dude. I didn't even know you guys went back that far. Oh, yeah. I just met Fish like Roxy days. So, oh, yeah, yeah. 2018, maybe something like that. Yeah. 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 He's like one of the most genuine people. Yeah, right? he just is. So giving. Totally. Yeah. But so it gets me out to California. And being out here, I started to think about it a little bit differently. And I started to figure out what I wanted to do. And I got really obsessed with like SoundCloud and like the underground, like emo rap hip-hop scene for a lack of genre to yeah. define it johnny minardi had started working at equal vision and he's like another one of those dudes like i talk about greg like johnny was another one where it's like mm. i found my person yeah and he signed an artist named nothing nowhere and he was kind of big in that like scene 
And that opened a lot of doors. And I, I just deep dove into that. And ultimately he left Equal Vision to go work at Fueled By. And when I didn't have him, I was like, all right, I'm out. Yeah. So I like left shortly after and decided to start my own label, which was like such a, anyone can do that. It's just sure. the internet. Podcast. But yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it was the idea of like, all right, if we should be paying more attention to Spotify, mm -hmm. do it. If, if, right. Like if all, in my opinion, if all that matters is touring and, and owning playlisting, go do it. Oh, and I guess in that, I kind of managed artists for a minute when I was at the label. I was okay. doing that on the side. Took a, took a few uh, on just to kind of like keep the... Uh, yeah, the like the cohesive. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I look back at that and I was like, I was not meant to be a manager. I don't care about that part of my yeah. life. But uh, we had some success. We got some bands signed. It was good. Cool, all right, then we're good. Yeah. yeah, I got some wins. Yeah, but anyway, so started that, and uh, it was another like I felt it again. I felt mm -hmm. that like touring excitement again. Did that for a while and met some really rad artists, and we like made a tour. Like the label is called Version Three and made a tour and like sold out a bunch of dates on the East Coast, the West Coast. Like we did these little legs and yeah. it was again so special because I was like with my people again, right. we were doing this rad stuff. Right. And that's like 2019, 2018, 19. I like for a minute, I was like, maybe I go back to tour. And my buddy had uh, tour managed Carly Rae Jepsen. Ooh. And I was like, he like hits me up after the version three tour ends. And he's like, yo, what are you doing? I was like, I can go out. <laughs> I go out and it's like, this is a level of touring that I hadn't done before. Next level, I'm sure. Cases of Yerba Mate on deck, ready to go. <laughs> so Let good. me tell you. <laughs> Let me tell you about luxury touring. No, but like, you know, crew the bus and all that. crazy. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, go out on that and I'm loving it. Two weeks into the tour, bro. Uh -huh. Or so sorry, the podcast starts before this happens. The podcast oh, really? starts in version three you days. Launch, the podcast launch. starts in 2019. Wow. Damn. So, Legacy over here. Fucking nuts. Legacy podcaster. I love it. <laughs> You're an inspiration to me. I'm like seeing myself as like a 39 year old, like being like, yes, back in uh, 2022, actually. Yeah. yeah, that's when it started the yep. gold couch. God. But uh, yeah, so that starts, and I'm kind of like finding my flow again. Mm -hmm. Got on this Carly tour, and I'm like, this is going to be amazing. Two weeks into the tour, I break my fucking femur. Oh my God. So stupid. It was such like a stupid freak oh, accident. Dude. Here's another part of the story that I didn't know that this was on tour with Carly Rae Jepsen. I just knew about the femur breaking uh -huh. and the accident, uh -huh. which I, yeah. I'll ask you to kindly detail. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I, growing up skateboarding, yeah. like that's like, I just always did stupid shit. Yeah. And me and our guitar tech were just boys and we would always find bird scooters and while out and jump off stuff. And you know, as you do. And we were just like, we wanted to go get coffee in the morning. We roll out of the, our bunks and I, I, we get bird scooters and I'm bombing this hill full speed. I go to air a gap and I think the wheel like locked up in the air. Like I think giving myself credit, I think I got so much sick air that this scooter <laughs> that was like, oh, air. it must be, it must not be riding anymore. There's no ground. So the wheel locks up. I land, the wheels locked up. I endo over, land in the street, catch my hip. And I was like, I thought I was just going to have a bad bruise. I get up and I'm like, ooh, that's going to leave a bruise. Ride for another block. And I'm like, ooh, this hurts. You're Go like, sit wow, down. Everything hurts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sit down and I'm like, <sighs> and then I'm like sitting on a, like a park bench and I like go to get up and my vision starts closing in and I'm like trying to play it so cool. And I'm like, oh, no. coffee without me. I'm going to Uber back. Oh my God. And it's just like, <laughs> but still I didn't think anything was like bad, bad. I was just like, fuck. And Are then we shock, end up, <laughs> fucking, dude, it was, 
See, the fucked up thing is I had broken my a femur when I was seven years old. I got pushed oh, off so the jungle you, gym. So you're familiar with yeah, the femur. Yeah, femur fucking squad, Jesus. Finally, they convinced me to go to urgent care. Urgent care x-rays it. And they're like, you broke your femur. Go to the ER right now. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm on this incredible tour. Life is finally good again. Like, I found my purpose. Like, give please, me a cane. Like, what do we? do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Run it again. X-ray it, it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try again. Mulligan. Um, I, yeah, that ended up happening. And, and I was off the tour. And I had to get this gnarly surgery. And it, it like, really fucked me up. Like it was like this huge speed bump in life when I'd finally bro, like yeah. after struggling around after touring and like, I mean, dude, from 2014 to 2018, 19, there's like three, four years of me, like kind of doing the label thing, kind of doing the management thing, like doing consulting, like being fucking lost. Mm -hmm. Like it was not rad years. Mm -hmm. And like being in California broke, like that shit sucks. That shit sucks. Oh my God. Being in the most beautiful place in the United States and being broke. Dude. Not fun. And like not having purpose. Like, yeah. and seeing all the other homies that had figured it out, like being like, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. Like that shit sucks. Yeah. All this like self hatred and oh or whatever. Like it was you're really just like hard. Yourself and so alone. And, yeah. Like I had moved from Florida. I didn't have my people out here. Mm -hmm. Like it was a really weird, hard time. Wow. No homies, like lost purpose. Yeah. Like, and then you finally get this like window opened for you yes. and you're like, oh, the air, it smells so good. It just smells just like it did last time. I'm ready. I'm ready to become, I'm ready to fully realize my full potential. Cue airing off. Just a fucking gnarly bird <laughs> Gnarly jump. bird jump. And life is like. Nah, nah, <laughs> nah, Sorry, <thanks>. bro. <laughs> and bro, like it fucking sucked. And yeah, so I was down and out and ended up, I mean, I couldn't walk for three months, was probably for like six months a year. Like it was, it was really rough. So it takes me off of touring. I did luckily have the podcast. That's good. And I was able to do that even broken and thank fucking God, mm -hmm. because I really, again, found how much I loved that and doubled down on it. Yeah. However, though, think about this timing. Summer 2019, I break my leg. I can't walk for three months. Like, can't do anything. Like, no. stuck Immobile. at my parents' house. Not even in LA. Like, back in Florida because I can't do anything. You need a caretaker, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Then get back to LA, still, like, fumbly, wobbly, like, can't do shit. Certainly can't tour. Can barely walk. And cane, uh, though. Crutches. Oh. Yeah, crutches. And then I would do, like, one crutch. Like, it, oh, God. So then, finally, finally, it's like end of 2019 yeah. and I can like kind of walk and I had this joke I was like we're about to be in the roaring 20s like it's about to be fucking <laughs> ripping so like I figured I'd go back to tour I figured the podcast yeah. would get going you saw it start you started it was going like this and then yep and then COVID because by the time I can walk fuck. again early 2020 wild that it's like so like it feels like this is a compressed timeline because COVID feels like it just chopped like two years out of the picture or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Cause now I'm like, and we're here. Like, it feels like you broke your femur yesterday, yep. you know? And now we're good. <laughs> yeah. So wow. again, that happened. So I'm not touring, but what happened there was beautiful was podcast kept going, loved it. Yeah. The label, I end up getting two partners who are like my best friends in music. Like I thought they were the best people. Sick. And I'm not sure I am not going to say the names because I don't know how much they want to be public on it. Yeah, but that's fair. Two of my very, very best friends in music who I think do it the absolute best. Yeah. I could not believe 
they took interest in the label and thought it was so special. Wow. So we we did this partnership and and they now get to like run something that they think is so special and Dude, that's so all sick. this happens. Yeah. Podcast keeps going. Mm-hmm. And then I realized like the other part of my story very early on was cars. I'd always loved cars and liked music. Music was just meeting my friends yeah. and just being like, oh, y'all are cool. I have this giant chunk of music, but I had always had this love for cars that I did nothing about. So I met these homies at Race Service, yeah. which is this beautiful creative agency. Again, kind of similar problem of here of how do you explain it? Totally. But like yeah, Charlie's Chocolate that. Factory, Willy Wonka's fucking like everything mm-hmm. I could ever dream of. Coolest place in the world just exists. So sick. Garage in mid-city LA with all of these creative capabilities. Like and you can work shop. on your, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. It's this, but cars. But for cars, yeah. And I meet them and we start to become friends and they kind of realize that all my skills as a tour manager and as the label skills and everything mm-hmm. I had done could translate into basically being like a producer. From that, I kind of start working there a bit. And and by producer, mm-hmm. can you said there's all these things that you've learned as a tour manager, channel into producer. What does that entail? Not to like so yeah, I dude. find that hard to describe. Like I'm Here really again. bad at yeah. corporate titles. Yeah, yeah. I would well, probably fucking, like, yeah. I just can't be fucked to care. Like no. the like director of this and no, I have bro. this title. I'm convinced and this that it's means, only for like, LinkedIn. Right? That's all right? it's for. Right? Period. Exactly. And yeah. I never care. I'm just like, I don't know. I can get stuff done. Like, right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that was something I just brought up with a client recently. I was like, why don't we refer to people as producers? Because I feel like uh, that we're trying to sell a product to a large amount of people. And I was yeah. like, there's a lot of people who define themselves as producers that, that all do different things, but they're all in line with like what producing the word is, which is production, which is creating something, making stuff, making stuff. Also <laughs> shout out to gold couch with the Fiji water. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know? <laughs> I'm trying to get that sponsorship, you know yeah, what I mean? Producer. So what's that mean there? So I, I think right now what it means is a lot of the same things that I did as a tour manager where every day is different and you're just solving problems and making stuff and helping a bunch of creatives like get yes. to the finish line, which yes. is again, common theme. I love it. Totally. And what that actually translates down to is uh, right now helping a lot of the creators for video production shoots because it feels like getting ready for tour. You're just getting all the gear ready. You're doing that. all the logistics, the schedule, all that. I yeah. love that stuff. Yeah, the checklists. Yep. A lot of apparel production, mm-hmm. which is, again, something I was familiar with, with touring and yeah. all of that. And stuff, just like exactly. you get a one-on-one in that. No the college of what. life, bro. Yes, it really is. Yeah, so that, and then, like, account management, which is, I love people. I love new clients. I love making sure the clients yes. are stoked. I love delivering the good news, right. finding creative solutions for the bad news. Right. Um, so, like, I would say that combination of those three things of, like, account management, apparel production, yeah. and then, uh, like, getting ready for shoots and setting yeah. up and so facilitating So, I would say producer is very, very accurate. Yeah. 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 But, again, it's funny if you think about that. None of that is really like the creative makers. There's some people there that I think are the best creatives in the world, Mm -hmm. but it's just working hand in hand with them, letting them do their superpower where I'm like facilitating. Right. And I love that. that. Yeah. Helping them leverage what's already there. And it's this, it's, it's incredible. And I feel so fulfilled because I've always loved cars and I was always afraid to work in the thing I loved. Like I was always like, I'll work in music because I like it. I don't love it. Right. And then it can't get ruined. Yeah. And then I kind of had this fuck it moment where I was like, I don't know, like life's short. Like if I loved this so much, like why don't I scratch that itch and see? 
Yeah. And I'm so fucking happy. Like oh, I love it. Happy. So That's beautiful. Holy shit. Maybe long story short, short story long. It's the combination now of label with the best friends, podcast, and producer at race service. Wow. Holy I crap, I talk too much. That's so beautiful. No, no, no. That was perfect, man. I mean, I was trying to get to the bottom of this yeah. because we share similar affliction, I think, professionally at least, where it's like, how do you describe this indescribable thing? How do you give it the context that an entire life has informed this thing? And how do you deliver that on a plate for somebody in a two-sentence elevator speech is very difficult and yeah. sometimes I think completely fucking unnecessary. So unnecessary. Because I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm too dynamic for that shit. Yes. Like I'm my, my, what I do here, it's too dynamic. Yes. It is because the reason I'm successful and the reason why I'm be able to do all of this stuff is because I have this like rich background and rich diverse set of things that, you know, just like you were like account management you know, production management, like knowledge of screen printing through yeah, having yeah. worked with bands, like all of those things, yeah. dude, it is invaluable. And it's like yesterday, like every day is different for me. Yesterday I was helping a client that thought they needed a Pantone color for something. Yeah, Wasn't a Pantone, it's not a Pantone job. Like you need that for screen printing. It's not a digital printer. I was like, you don't need a Pantone. Yeah. Like, Why don't we need a Pantone? That's industry standard. I was like, trust me, right. it's just going to fuck things up. Yeah. I was like, let's just do some print Here. samples. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. It's like, how do I know that? Pantone stuff from band, digital print stuff from school, and here. And being and a fucking being girl skateboard designer for however long. <laughs> going to China every and Every color study, every yeah, manufacturing process. Watching the people create this stuff and all of that informing everything just being fused in. It's like I used to, when I started therapy again, like two years ago, I was like, really like, man, like, wish I had that thing that I was just like, Yes, I'm Gordy and I'm an illustrator. Yeah. And that's, Dude, and that's it. And all I we, do is I, I do ink and gouache or something. That is one of the conversations that you and I have all the time mm -hmm. because I uh, we talk about like, doesn't it sound so easy? Doesn't it sound so wonderful to be so able to like, brand your, and you see the people on Instagram yeah. and it's like, this is what they do. And they have this huge following because the hashtag and everything is like the same split second. You can see, oh, all they do is paint with these three colors and they use yes. this medium and yes. that's it. And, and the all best the videos are a process of them doing it. Yep. In A, B, or C way. Yep. Uh, the final product in A, B, or C way. Yep. That's it. Yeah. The I, whole feed is beautiful. Oh my, I wish that Dialed. I could just have the one thing and be like, I love this. I'm obsessed with this. This is all I yeah. do. Here's how you understand it. And yeah. it was, it's so easy to sell to people and oh people understand it off the rip. And it's like, is it a blessing or a curse what we have? I don't know. Totally. I don't it's, know. Well, it's like one of the, um, actually, funny enough, I told you this, I think on our podcast we did on, on Where All My Friends. Yeah. And I think that somehow, I don't know how I hit this cultural like nerve, but like I've heard this now in TikToks and Reels and stuff like that since I brought this up and since I discovered it in my own life, the um, Jack of All Trades quote. Oh my God, Jack of all trades, master of, well, wait, was you that said master of some? No, it's a Shakespeare quote. Okay. And Shakespeare said, a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. And he was talking about himself. No Because way. he was a writer. He, he was a writer, a producer, a thespian, uh, like, uh, you know, like a, an actor. And he did every single job in order to learn how to make the best play ever. 
I drew the curtains, did the makeup, like whatever he could do that would diversify his knowledge of theater so yeah. he could write the best play ever. And the fuckery of all of it that is now, like I was saying, spread around TikTok is real. And I was like, damn, am I just unoriginal or did that just happen at the same time? Because I had never heard that before until I Googled it one day. Really? And I Googled, why do people say that? Jack of all trades, master of none. That's where they stop. Yeah. I was like, why do people say that? That's so fucking stupid. Like, I hate it. I hate that. It makes me feel like shit. Yes. You know, because I sell that. Yes. My, my selling point is that I am a master of all. Right. So that I can give you direction on every single aspect of what you're trying to do. Yeah. Why is that problematic? You know? And then I found that, found out that that was the truth. Tell me it again, that quote. A jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. How did that get cut in half? I don't know. Bro. So I was like, okay. All of a sudden, it was just one day that I read that, bro. I felt like I had like like goosebumps all over my body. And I like looked around at the studio and I was like, oh. I was like, I can make music. I can, I can make art. I can paint. I can cut video. I'm fucking awesome. That's, and it's so, you know? I, I feel that. I <laughs> yeah. see you and I'm like, you're a fucking superhero. Like yeah. every time I sit down with you, you're teaching me something new. Like yes. you're, you can make the theme song for your podcast. You can make the cover art and illustrate it. Make the animation. You can edit the video. You figured out the technical. Like, mm -hmm. are you kidding me? I respect that more than anything. <laughs> yes. That is a superpower. Thank you. But I feel that torture of like that. Cause it ends because, there. Well, Jack of all trades, master of none. Master of none. And then it's Wish like, that I could be the guy that just was famous on IG for painting the thing and just the one thing. Exactly, dude. Dude. And with, with zero dimension. Right. You know, and like no hate. Like, I think we should also clear the air that there is totally value in that. And I think that might come down to this personality archetype that we were even talking about what part of the day is best for you to work out. Yeah. For me, it's in the afternoon. Yeah. No, no doubt. For you, it's the, uh, the nighttime. nighttime. Yeah. Some other people, it's the morning. Everyone wants to tell everybody else what's the best. Right. But yeah. really it comes down to that personal person. Yeah. I have friends like my homie, Bill Rebholtz is like a homie from actually steak mob days. My oh, I remember my that. First, uh, yeah. My first um, art collective. That's well, in our pod. You, yeah. Yeah, dude. It, what, what did you say about it? It's, it's, uh, it's uh, rare. It's rare and bleeding on the plate. Yeah. Yeah, dude. So my boy, Bill was yeah. a steak mob uh, member and um, he is one of my favorite illustrators ever, yeah. I think. He has like such a unique style. He's a sign painter. He's the one who taught me like tons of lettering stuff. He was like an inspiration to me. We worked at ag agencies together. He's like so ill. He like now does like Warby Parker murals and stuff. Like he's like- <laughs> Oh shit. Like, like the fucking, kind of like fun That style, colored. that kind of chunky, yeah. like, like uh, funny looking characters, but like very yes. distinct. I'm thinking, I, I feel, I see a lot of blue when yeah, I think of it. Yeah, a lot of blue, a like, lot of really bold colors. Yeah. Like, um, like fun colors, but very, um, let me think, nuanced. Yeah, and he'll use like a primary color and then accent yes. shades of it. Yes, yes. No way, that's like, him? Well, there's several Warby Parker people oh, okay. who do that. Sick. But they cater to that style. Wow. So Bill is gnarly. I hope, Bill actually just moved out here. I hope he's on the podcast. Oh. And Bill is one of these people will who has the, the gnarliest. He will be on it. He has one of the dopest Instagrams ever, like the sick following, the sickest like motif the coolest, like, you know, everything makes sense. Yep. A magazine could, could look at his work and say, oh, we will hire you because there's no variant, or not no variants. There's, I know what I'm getting. Yep. I know exactly what your style is, what yep. you cater to, what you dig. 
I know that if I hire you, you're not going to give me a realism portrait in charcoal. Yep. You're yeah. going to give me yeah. you're gonna, <laughs> what Bill does, Yeah, which is like so perfect for Bill, valuable for him as an illustrator, a commercial illustrator to be able to get work. Yeah. Like all that stuff totally makes sense for Bill and he kills it. I'm so jealous of you that. That's and I'm when jealous we're talking Bill. about yeah. that, <laughs> like the whole jack of all trades, yeah. master of none. Yeah. When I see the person, like that's not to talk shit on that person. Totally. It's, we talk about this because I wish so bad that I could. Right. And well, we've spent our whole time, you know, when I was in Steak Mob, I felt like I was the weakest link in a lot of ways because they were always teaching me. Yeah. Like it was me, Bill Grebholtz, Lou Mejia, Tomas Villasenor, Andreas Guzman, and they were all fucking are all fucking gnarly like the still the best painters and illustrators that i've ever been around in the same room with sharing time with sharing art with like huge huge shoes to i don't know phil but like look look huge people to look up to it's something really beautiful to surround yourself with such talent but it's also it puts this immense uh pressure or Mm -hmm. like it's just, you really feel like you have to step up right. and you admire those people so much that you can almost give yourself imposter syndrome. A hundred percent. And I kept thinking, I, I don't have anything to offer here. Like every time we do an art show together, I felt like I was like, I would do just well enough to fit in with everybody else. And even though like, I, I don't like think I'm a shitty artist. Like I think I've come far and I think that I do cool stuff, but it was like walking in the shadows of giants. There's no, you, there you know. is no way you think you're a shitty artist. No, no. I mean, some days I do feel like I've never made a piece of real art in my whole life, but it's, um, it's my own problem. <laughs> Bro, how? Your skate decks are literally hung up. Your, your art is you know, what here. Else, what else do you need, right? <laughs> what the fuck? That's I know, crazy. there's still imposter syndrome. That was like actually one of the working subtexts that I had for the gold couch was a proven antidote to imposter syndrome. Yo. Because it's like talking through some of this stuff. Yo. It's extremely Bro, run that. That's bad. good. Yeah, I know. Well, I got a few other ones that were pretty cool. Like speaking to the best to inspire the next. Also pretty dope. Okay. Fucking. <laughs> oh, I guess he's a copywriter too. Sure. I am. Fuck. Yeah. I actually just- Are you actually? Yeah. Well, I mean, I just did this whole, bro, I'll show you the video afterward, but uh, Guragir, one of my biggest clients, they had me do this Kickstarter video. And the whole time we were doing it, I was sort of under the impression that, well, I wasn't, they told me, we're going to get a voiceover guy, you know, we're going to pay to license music and do this, this, and this. So I just figured like, I really only have to take the video and edit it. And then we sort of fill in the blanks, you know? Turns out I had to write all the copy- and then I did a scratch voiceover and they liked it so much that they asked me to do the voiceover. And then I was trying to find like royalty-free music on the internet, not even free, like paid. Like yeah. Yeah, yeah. artless.io. Like yeah, 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 yeah. There's so yeah. many of them. Yeah. Adobe stock has their own yeah. shit, whatever. I was like, this music is so fucking horrible. I could take and dump my entire catalog of beats that I've made over the past however many years without even looking at the export and I would be better off. I would be yeah. making better music than all of the stuff. Yes. And a light bulb went off. I was like, shit, I should just do the song. So I was like, let me just go see what I have. And so I just started leafing through songs and like opening up files. And I was like, this one could work. And then I just like tweaked it and made it right for the thing. And then I basically did the voiceover in Ableton with the song and like locked it up to the different sections, got to do like 
you know, beat flips when like something new happened in the video oh, and like, yeah. customize it, whatever. But even just writing that copy and finessing the copy, I was just like, what the fuck? This is crazy. Like, I'm like fully like now like a copywriter, yeah, creative director, you know, a yeah. account director, <laughs> bro, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Honestly, even you talking know? to you like in real time, it's, it's like this lesson. I'll probably need to hear it a thousand times. At least we have it recorded now. Yeah. But it's like, <laughs> yeah. We need to fucking celebrate this. Like the whole like being hard on yourself for not no reason. Sit like fitting in this single box. Mm -hmm. Like it is what it is. Like certain people, like your homie at yeah. Warby or, or yeah. you know, past uh, Warby. Yeah, Bill. But like Bill has that. And that's fucking awesome. And yeah. we can respect that. But like we But it also, doesn't mean like, that everybody's gotta be that. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like because I hear you explaining what you do, and I'm like, how in the world could you ever question that you're fucking incredible? But like for me, it's but like, it's okay, cool. Stuff. Like yeah, maybe I am destined to have a podcast, mm -hmm. be a producer at a creative agency mm -hmm. and have a label with my homies. Like yeah. maybe I can't tell that story perfectly on IG, but like maybe that doesn't fucking matter. Maybe that doesn't matter, dude. Because it's like the culmination of these efforts is just more than IG, you yeah. know? And like, it's remembering that Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all this stuff at its very, I'll say most fundamental reason for its existence yeah. is marketing. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's not about social status. It's not about, I mean, it's about money because marketing creates money, right? Yeah. But it's mostly about marketing. It's just about talking about it, right? And I think we lose sight of that. And we we like look at it like there's badges, there's mm -hmm. you know, blue check marks, yeah. there's like counts, there's engagements, there's et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then it starts like pushing down. Like for me, like I start being like, I don't want to post anything because it's like not going to do well and I feel weird and then I'm going to feel bad or something. And it's like, I kind of kicked that a little while ago where I was like, I just need to like, just like when I was talking about that recursive thing, when posting, when I post stuff now, it helps me in that, in that feedback process. Yeah. If yeah. I don't post it, the feedback process can't go its full cycle. Yep. So yep. I'll make it and it gets thrown into a void. Yeah. And then we never see it again. I never see it again. No one sees it. No one talks about it. And then I feel like I'm not good at anything because I didn't share it. And I didn't get at least just one person go, oh, shit, that's dope. One like would be fun. I don't even need a fucking like. Right. I just need to put it somewhere. Yeah. It's just like with the, the fucking typing it and reading it. Right. right? Yeah. You literally have a typewriter. Yeah. It's so yeah. Sick. Every yeah. day, baby. It's or I try. So good. But- but, you yeah. know, it's like that that thing. It's like you got to get past that and like and also like un brainwash yourself to thinking that this cool string of things you just listed, maybe I was destined to have my own podcast and work at a, a, a creative agency based in the automobile space and run my own record label with my two best friends. Maybe that's my fucking story and that should be okay to tell that. That should be okay. Feel seen. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is you a know? therapy couch. Fuck. I'm telling <laughs> yeah. you, bro. Fuck. The dude. proven antidote to imposter syndrome. Fuck, man. But it's like, you know, I think like to your, you, you said it best. It's like, we got to stop beating ourselves up about this stuff because it's yeah. super rad, you know? And as we go into this new era, I think the idea of being a singular contributor of something like, be it an illustrator, be it a painter, a music producer, whatever it is, having a limited scope of what you can produce. Yeah. I think that that's sort of fading. And I do think that the new person is versed. Mm. I think these kids who are making sick TikTok videos and stuff 
are versed in video editing, are versed in sound curation, are versed in um, lighting, yeah, are versed in photography, are versed in um, marketing and engagement and PR and so many things that yeah. make them infinitely more hireable or applicable yeah. in the world totally. because they have all of these things they can do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think it's, I, I think that it's just the reminder that it's okay to, to be great at what you're great at and yeah. to do you. Like I, the reason I started the podcast yeah. and like something that I had a really strong, what keeps me going yeah. with it is I think about myself in those three years of being fucking lost and mm -hmm. probably like the saddest that I had been in yeah. California or just in life, but in California, like thinking that I like had figured yeah. it out and then being so lost and not knowing and kind of stumbling on purpose after tour. And I wished that there was a resource and I, I started, I found podcasts and I found conversations where people would talk about their careers and their journey. And I felt less alone because I was like, oh, this person went through this too. Right. Or like, oh, whoa, this person figured this out at this point and that's so crazy. Yes. So I've always wanted to pay that forward. I always want to hear as many different stories and tell yes. as many different stories as I can in, in hopes to inspire the next generation or anyone to go do their thing and to not settle for what they think they should do. Right. It's like, I've had people on that are great at the one thing and then I've had people on that have done a ton of things and- I think that just being okay with whatever it is that you are and owning it, I think there's space for all of it right now. Oh, there is, man. That's yeah. a great way to put it. Yeah. I have this like thing up. I took it down, I think, because it was in the shot or something, but it was the law, the laws of, not attraction, laws of detachment. Oh. And there's two, the first two back-to-back -back are let yourself be who you are let others be who they are. Damn. So simple. Damn. So simple. Bars. And oh, bars, <laughs> right? Because it's like, what's at the root of all of this? We go to like Instagram, we look at somebody's profile and we think, oh, I, sh I wish I was like that. Yeah. Or I'm not able to be like that. I'll never be able to be like that. How could I ever possibly fit in? Yeah. That feeling. And it's like, you're not allowing yourself to be who you are and mm -hmm. you're not just allowing them to be who they are. Right. You're asking yourself to be who they are. Right, right. You know? you're, you're putting that expectation on yourself. Well, I think something else, like I, I know we've talked about this in the past, mm -hmm. didn't come up much on this, but I'm very big on mindset and uh, I guess you could say like manifestation, but mm -hmm. like not in the cheesy way. Like sure. I think you need to work for things, but I think like visualizing those things and really knowing it. 100%. And on my little vision board and, and constant reminders that I have, I have a little note just, and it says, enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. Because I also think that if you obsess too much over perfection, I think you and I again do this Big and time. we see the end game mm -hmm. and all we want is that. And you get lost in that and you don't stop and smell the roses. You don't look 100%. around you. So I, I also try to tell myself like, if I'm doing my best and I'm growing these things and I'm having fun and I'm making these meaningful connections, it doesn't actually matter, but to enjoy the process to yes. that, that like maybe it isn't defined right now for like a specific, like, oh, right. I can't tell you in an elevator pitch this, whatever, but just enjoying the process and, and doing it for yourself mm -hmm. like that. There's so much growth and fun in that. Oh, so much. And I always look at that and, and I try to remind myself, and it's authentic. Like, I love it. Like yeah. it's, that's part of it. It's major. dude. Yeah. You actually 
allow the thing to be what it is and you stop getting in the way of it and being like, yes. uh-uh, yep. color grading wasn't right. Uh-uh, sound was a little <laughs> off. You know, you yeah. get, stop getting in the way and yeah. then you actually get this truly authentic thing. Yeah. It's like a song that was overproduced. Like, yes. you know, you're with bands long enough to know you ever, did they ever use the words or the term demoitis? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where you got a demo and you love the demo. You guys listen to it on repeat. This is like going to be the next biggest song you've ever put out. Then you go to record it at the real studio. You redo the guitars, you redo the vocals, everything. All the scratch stuff gets put away and it sounds fucking bad. It sounds, yeah, or it sounds just it. Life, lifeless. Yeah, yeah. You're like, why? And it's like, because there was something in that messy like chord change that happened and there was something in the beat that was dropped on accident because he dropped a stick, but for some reason it worked. Yes. And yes. all of those nuanced things that are human and beautiful oh that we like forget God. about. We're like so quick to be like, it's not perfect. So I can run it back. Yeah. Get it right. Dude. Get it right. You know, it's like, that's allegorical for life. I think. I, I agree. And yeah. I think something else that maybe we missed in this that mm -hmm. we had talked about before is as I told my story, the thing that I didn't really touch on is like, we both found this to be true when we like looked back mm -hmm. is things always got better in our life when we took risks. Oh yeah. Like the, yeah, I told that story in a somewhat linear way. Mm -hmm. The amount of failures that I had had, the amount of things that I had tried, the amount of like steady income to keep me going in these uncertain time yeah. jobs that I'd pick up of consulting and production management that I quit that took me way too long to quit because I was afraid of the stability. Yes. That all of these things, all of these, like, I told that story in a very, mm -hmm. oh, well, I went to this, to this, this. Yeah, and then this happened, happened, and then this happened. You'll yeah. hear these interviews, you'll be like, oh, well, they had it all figured out. I right. did not. Right. And there were so many times where I was fucking terrified. And those giant risks where maybe it was all going to fall apart and I was going to have to move home. That, like, the most growth happens in those risks. Yeah. And that was something that like you and I kind of talk about this. Uh, and I, I think that I was like thinking about it as I was thinking all of this yeah. is like, we didn't really cover that of uh, there's enjoy the process, but then there's also the reminder that you should be uncomfortable. And I think both yes. of us have experienced plenty of those moments in the journey of like mm -hmm. separating from what we once knew as the only thing of touring and bands to then figuring life out. Mm -hmm. Dude the amount of times of uncertainty and risks Ooh. and things that we had to go through. I mean, through. And even going, <laughs> the fun, the ironic part is that even getting into the band scene and starting that yeah. was a behemoth risk. The biggest risk. Yes. Probably yes. either of you have ever, either of us have ever taken it because we both took it at the same time. Yeah. Get out of high school. Like you started college and said, fuck this. I, and I finished high school, didn't start college and was like, fuck this. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. Splitting hairs fuck here. This. Fuck this. Yeah. But ran into this thing going, I'm going to do this then. Yep. Because this is what makes me happy. And this yeah. is what is going to inspire me and make, yeah. make life worth living. At that time, not even really understanding the gravity yeah. of the risk that yeah. you're taking. Granted, you're young. So like. I would always say that these risks that seem like now as a 35 year old, I'm like, oh, um, doing that now would be a little harder. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I think 18 through 28 was tailor made mm. for these mm -hmm. types of risks. Mm -hmm. I think it was meant to be. Yeah. Like yeah, you yeah. should absolutely the stakes be doing were pretty this. fucking low. They're the risks so were low. There's nothing to lose. Man. Easier to take. Nothing to lose. Yeah. No savings to lose. No yeah. credit to run up. 
Yeah. It's nothing. You're just fresh. Simpler safety Simpler. net. More friends' parents' houses and own parents' houses <laughs> totally, to crash dude. at. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And it's easy to like, yeah, like look back and be like, how do I not take all those risks now? But the thing is, is like every single, like you were just saying, like in what came up last time we did this and just really in our conversations, period, is like that element of risk you know, when I trace it back for myself and yeah. I look at all of these moments, like that I took a risk that might've been irrecoverable if I didn't go well. Yes. It might've, it might've fucked everything up. Like whatever that means. Yep. <laughs> Every time those moments the, on the other side of that risk is the most colorful part of my whole life. <laughs> uh, you so know, the, the mo- or most colorful moments. Yeah. The, mo- the biggest burst of beauty. Yeah. You know, we're on the other side of that scary risk of that time when we are like, I don't know, like this could go bad. And to add to that, like the, I had a conversation with a friend and they were like kind of saying, they're like, dude, you've had so many different lives. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't believe you're not afraid to fail kind of thing. And I was like, cool, thank you. Like, I guess I I wouldn't have thought of it like that. Uh, But yes, I've, I've done a couple changes and pivots. Right. But I think the regret and and the thing of we can talk about risks and we can be aware of this and so much of what we talk about is that Mm -hmm. something that I have to remind myself of and my counterpoint to that conversation with the friend was, yes, in hindsight, it's it's easy to say that. But my regret is the amount of time it's taken to have the courage to take those risks. I think that in my heart and soul, I knew some of those pivots needed to happen and I took up to like a year mm-hmm. before doing it right. too long. And now in hindsight, we talk about how colorful and rewarding it is when you do it. The thing we don't have is time and time becomes so valuable. Yes. So the thing that I try to remind myself now is to have that grit and that courage that when you know something in your heart, to not think about it and to not lose that time and to, to give yourself totally. more credit. And I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that in the podcast because I think as I told you my story, again, the last thing that I'd want is for my story to sound like I had it all figured out because there was so much fucking turmoil. And I'm, Absolutely. I don't, I'm not, it's not like I'm at the top now. It's not no. like I'm like, now I can say this. Like, no. bro, we are forever going to have the we're conversation. We're still in we're turmoil. Having. We're still <laughs> and still forever. Happening. And yeah. like, if we sit down again on part two, who knows what evolution of both your and my career totally. is there. Like it will always be changing, but I think that that's something that I, I'm very aware of and I don't want it to sound like that isn't a thing. Yeah, no, I'm glad you clarified that because it sounds, um, there's a way to say any story with a rosy tint to it. Yes. there's And, and, and in a lot of ways, the way we recount it and yes. the way we remember it automatically has that going for it just for the reasons we've kind of discussed. And yeah, that's just a natural way for a human to deliver their story. They're not going to be like, yeah, and then this really sucked ass. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. Sometimes yeah. it fits in, but it's like, I think that it's a good, it's a good clarifier because I think that part of, you know, this podcast and your podcast really is diving into like the real world elements that are involved in this stuff. Yeah. And although I think kids have like a much better idea of how to get somewhere now than they ever did when we were kids, like I had no clue like how to be, uh, how to book a tour. I would have wished there was a podcast then so that I could listen to a podcast, somebody saying, all right, so this is how, this is what you do. I had no idea. Yeah. There's no role model. There was nothing to tap into. The internet was in its infancy, like, et cetera. The kids now have a better idea, but there's still need for this um, education of like what happened to people and their journey and like kind of like what to expect slash 
what to know that like it's it's okay to stumble, it's okay to to not have it figured out. It's oh, but but please do try. Yes. Please do risk. Oh my god. Please do not sacrifice seven years of being miserable to make yes. a decision you should have made six years Dude. before. Yes. Please be you know. be courageous enough. Uh, take the courage from other people. Borrow that courage when you when you need that blind mm -hmm. faith and take that leap and go try the thing. For me, be less conservative about like money and things like this. Like mm -hmm. be willing to roll the dice and go to zero. Because totally. every time it's gotten better when I've done that and I've sat in fucking miserable situations yeah. for too long when I've just been thinking about it. And you're just like thinking like sitting like on your proverbial last $500 thinking there's no way I could invest in this right now because I just don't have the money. And if yeah. I did, I wouldn't, well, I don't want to get into debt and I don't really know what to do. And it's like, hold on. Like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Do you want to do it? Yeah. Do you believe in it? Yeah. Whatever the shortfall is here yeah. isn't large enough. Bro, and people can feel that. Like, life has a way of, like, when you are down to zero and somebody meets, like, Gordy's on zero because he believes in doing this thing so much. And that story comes up and someone's like, let me help you. I have the, oh, I know yeah. this investor. Do you, like, yeah. Like, or do, the do world, you need work? The universe, like, okay, I like, got you. Yeah. yeah the, the universe rewards that shit so heavy. Every time. I remember your podcast, uh, you you had this beautiful thing where you were talking about like you refused to work another job that wasn't creative, yeah, right? Yeah. And you were like, I My will pack. go to fucking zero. <laughs> I will go to couches. I will then go to sleeping in cars. Like I'm not fucking doing this no again. Compromise. And like that, like shit like that inspires me so much. Yeah. Because it's a sort of the frame of mind that you need to approach it with because if you let yourself get into this like zone of like questioning if you're going to be okay or if it's going to be worth it or whatever it is. It's like, you're, you're it's a downward spiral yeah, all yeah, the way down yeah. to the bottom. So like, don't do that. Just do it. Take the risk. It's going to be okay. I mean, this podcast was a huge thing, you know, just like with any of this stuff, it's like shit costs money. Yeah. Duh. Am I running everything very tight right now? Yes. But I tweeted this the other day. I was like, I I was like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I just keep doubling down. <laughs> I don't know. That's so good. <laughs> no idea. But every time it gets to this place where I'm like, what's going to happen here? I'm like, double the bet. <laughs> double the bet. <laughs> what's the next so turn much. card? Double it. You know, Dude, like, yeah. I, that, I need that energy in my yeah. life. You know, like we're talking about mm -hmm. it, but it's like, it's so much easier to say it than to do it. And because it's so scary. You're a great example of doing it though. Yeah, and Thank it's you. it's really beautiful to like see it happen. Yeah. And it's one thing saying like, oh yeah, like uh, oh, I did it, you know, like you could do it too. And then actually doing it. Yeah. Because it's so, it's so scary, dude. Like I'm still in these positions where it's like, uh, you know, you work hard for something and then you just go for it. And yeah. if, and there's just really no way that it can't work out if you go for it. Yeah. Just go for it. Yeah. And like, if you commit to it, you're good. Yeah. Period. Just like this space was like that. Like I had no idea how I was going to come up with this extra amount of money. Like I would, the delta of what I needed yeah. that I didn't have yeah. was like over a thousand a month for this Crazy. place where I was like, I need to figure out how to make another thousand dollars on top of what I'm already doing in order to make sure that I can pay for just the space. Yeah. And that's not equipment and that's yeah. not utilities and that's not. It's just a square box water. of a room. It's a box. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it was like the first few months of being in here, I was one Ikea desk, one chair, one computer, and a box of stuff. Dude. No plants. Dude. No Fiji water. No Fiji water. Now he has <laughs> Fiji water. 
dude this uh man yeah man it's inspiring it's cool Really, we got to get down there and start yelling. They're with really them, practicing man. yelling down there. Yeah, I wonder if you guys can hear that on the pod. It's oh, wow, it's almost like half a sing. I know, right? Kind of. Is it is that a kid? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. Wow, crazy. Yeah, just LA. Well, I um, I appreciate all of your sort of like insights on this stuff because, like I said. I think that this is an underspoken about thing because it really has to do with being vulnerable. Yeah. And like, that's why I kind of like akined it a little to like um, therapy earlier because yeah. it's like you, you know, get into this place professionally where it's not okay to like start talking about how you're scared. Yeah. It's yeah. not okay to start talking about how you don't know if it's going to work out. It's like all these insecurities that you, you put inside of you, Yeah, you know, and like, Hunter, who was on the other day, which I do believe you know Hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Driver, right? yeah. He said something, I haven't watched the whole pod yet, but said something like, yeah, I was feeling really creatively depressed or some something to that effect. I just didn't say anything to anyone. And I didn't really know who to talk to. And I just sort of kept it inside and I didn't know what to do with it. And I was like, how many other people are experiencing like feeling like an imposter who shouldn't be, yeah. who are gnarly at what they do right. and don't feel gnarly at what they do yeah and who are just sitting with this weird feeling inside like they don't fit in because you know he's like i don't post my work enough on ig and all these other photographers here again yeah. it's like this like stigma that like we have to treat this like it's a nine to five business and like i'm at the behest of my 7900 instagram followers or whatever like yeah exactly that not half those people don't know me right right they, and, and on top of that they don't care yeah. If I post. Nobody fucking they cares. Don't care. They Nobody only care cares. if you do. Yeah. But if you don't, no one's come to my door and say, hey, yeah. you only post like 12 times a year. I'm like, never. No one's ever Nobody said cares. that. Whenever Nobody anyone's like, cares. I'm taking a, a break from Instagram just so all my followers know. And I'm like, no one cares. Nobody cares. No offense, Martha or whatever. No one fucking cares. No. And it's not to say that no one cares about you. Mm -hmm. No one cares about anyone who's right. taking a break of Instagram or who hasn't posted in a while. I mean, that comes back, Never. like I could conclude with this of like the, the lesson that I learn of LA and, mm -hmm. and life is like, you kind of have survival and happiness. And first you have to figure out survival. Like, you know, you got to pay your bills. You got to make sure you have a roof and food yes. and then you focus on happiness. And right. that's pretty much life consolidated, I think. <laughs> but yes. I think LA and I think that like this time in our lives of like young creative professionals and figuring these things out, like survival is the top priority. And you got a lot of, you got a lot of work to do there and a lot yeah. of figuring out. And then not so much happiness, but like people think that everyone else is paying so much attention where it's like people are just focused on surviving. Yeah. So don't take offense to it either way. It's a good point. Nobody saw your post. That doesn't mean that your work is bad. That just means that they're out there trying to survive. Trying to survive. You're trying to survive too. That's fine. That's and it. I think like you grow and I think that that's an, a beautiful place in life to get to when your survival is dialed and you can right. take a second to help your fellow out and you can take a second to add further and, and help more. Yeah. But don't take other people trying to survive personally because they're not noticing you doesn't mean anything. They're just, literally just trying to survive. That's an amazing way to put that. Yeah. That fucked me up a little because like that is it. Yeah. And like, actually, you know, the funny thing is, is I think we are kind of like reaching a little conclusion here. I was going to ask you like, you know, like what's your like, <laughs> what's your final take on uh, whatever? Like, like, like what, what, what uh, advice do you have for anybody? And I feel like we've really like covered a lot of advice. I feel like I think so. what you just said right there is like 
such a key piece of advice to like uh, impart on anybody, no matter if you're a creative or a, like whatever you're into, Yeah, you know, like I think that this show gravitates towards creatives and entrepreneurs and um, people who are, you know, in that world. Yeah. My mom always is like, you know, your dad isn't an artist. It's weird that, you know, she always makes some crack at him. And I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. This man's a creative. Mm -hmm. You don't see it the same way. You know, he's a financial analyst at a company. He does things. His playlist curation is money. Like his like cooking is fire. Yeah. He is a creative and he does have, there's like a, there's sort of like a overlap. And I guess what I mean, you wonder how I'm folding that in is that I just feel like you hit it with that last thing you said for anyone. Yeah. Doesn't I would have say, to be like some whatever. It's the combination of that. Mm -hmm. But like the, my conclusion and the thing that I always need to remind myself, it's a couple of things, mm -hmm. but enjoy the process for sure. Major. You know, really, really enjoy it. I can be way too tunnel vision. I can be way too focused on the end goal and forget to check in with my friends and forget to just pop up on the roof on a nice day or some random yeah. view of nature and just look at shit and enjoy it. And, and all of it to take a step back and look at the spaces yes. that homies are creating. Like that is a huge one. Don't go to tunnel vision. Don't forget about the people around you that you love. I think I've done that. Taking myself a little too seriously has been bad doing the Major. thing. Like I remember when I, I was the most miserable with this one consulting job and, uh, it was good money. And it was like the first time I felt I had stability out in LA and I mm -hmm. fucking hated it. Mm -hmm. And I talked to a friend and he was basically like, he attributed it to a video game. He's like, you're in level one and you're collecting the potions and the resources <laughs> and you're fighting like the little, like non, like the characters that are easy to beat. And he's yeah. like, you have to go fight the boss and you're going to lose potions and you're going to lose resource and you're going to lose health. Wow. After you fight that boss, you're going to level up. And then the levels after that are going to be better. Wow. And for me, quitting that job and or that that side income because I fucking hated it and because it was distracting me from the shit I did care about was fighting that boss. Wow. And everything got better after I did that. Everything. It always comes back to like, say the shit you want to say, do the shit you want to do, ask the questions you want to ask, hit up the people that you think are too cool and compliment them. Like the reservation, that self-doubt, that thing that stops you I am the worst victim of it. Like, fuck, do I have it? But the way when I don't have it, I'm the best. And I just want to be the example of like, trust me, I fucking have it. I'm the most conservative person you've ever met. I'm the most reserved, shy. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to go do it. And every time when I've done it, I'm on top of the world and the most magic stuff opens up. So if I could impart yes, any Andrew. wisdom on yes. anyone, it's just like, Fuck, if I can get past it, you can too, but you need to. You fucking need yes, to, or you're going to get stuck. You're going to so get important. stuck in level one. That's it. That's what I got. Wow. I couldn't have asked for a better summation of, of your ethos. That was beautiful. There Thank you is. so much for coming back, doing round two, technically round three. Um, this is, a, I didn't give it any prep, any front end or anything like this, but this is the very first episode of the Gold Couch podcast hosted by Studio Peralo. What a fucking myself, honor. Gordy. And Andrew, you're just such a fantastic human. Thank you. Dude, thank you. Thank and you I so guess to, to conclude on my side, I'll yeah. air it on Where Are All My Friends too. Yes. So if you're hearing this That's episode on Where Are All My Friends, yes. go instantly hit subscribe, 
in every, what is the current, you should subscribe on YouTube. You can subscribe on Apple and Spotify. I think you have to listen on Spotify for a couple episodes to then rate it five stars. Basically, if you fuck with where are all my friends and you're here at the (laughs) end of this, uh, you finally got your Andrew episode and it was an honor and I think you killed it. And now you have a second podcast you need to listen to every week. Listen to this man. Oh man, thank you so much for that. Your podcast inspired me so much. So it's, it's only right that, you know, you it help you right. help a little bird fly, dude. I I, <laughs> I mean, again, I hadn't done the Andrew interview in a long time, and this felt right. So hopefully, I didn't talk too much. That no, was bro. really weird when you I was weird. like, when you were going and I was yeah. listening, and you were like, "Why am I talking?" Yeah, I, it was weird, dude. I don't know. I didn't like it. I was like, "This is too You're much." Like, I didn't sure? ask any questions. <laughs> yeah, but thank no, you bro. for giving beautiful, me the space beautiful work and the story. Oh, dude, so many people want to know. Love you. Love you. Tune in next time. Peace.